Amen. God bless you. God bless you. We're excited you're here. You can grab a seat. I was telling our 9 o'clock service, they got here early and on time and ready to go. If you're a normal 9 o'clock person and you're here, come talk to me and we'll square some things away, all right? We need that dedication to start the Sunday off. No, but we're, uh, I'm thankful and, you know, we're in a season leading up to Easter uh, and leading up to Holy Week where the beauty of Easter is it's a celebration of the resurrection power of God and what the church calendar for centuries would observe the time leading up to it would be a season of Lent. And it reflects when Jesus himself went into the wilderness and fasted and he was tempted by the, by the enemy. But we see how he used the word of God to overcome the lies of the enemy. My prayer for you is in this season leading up to Easter that you would purposely put yourself in a place, maybe it's fasting, maybe it's putting things down, and you would begin to get in the, the word of God and you would begin to allow it to transform you and to grow you so that when you step in here on Easter, man, that resurrection power would touch your life. I love it. So really the series we're going to be diving into is in the series of talks is going to be along the lines of the path to holiness. And this morning specifically, I want to talk about drawing a line, what it looks like to draw a line as believers. You know, holiness when you hear it said or you've heard it preached, sometimes you envision a mean, white-haired man preaching in a suit and just shouting down at you of how you need to be holy, and if you don't change, you're going to hell. Holiness is so much more than that, and I think holiness has been so abused in different circles and in different ways it's been interpreted, but man, when you get into the beauty of holiness, that's where the power of God can come into you and change you. Holiness, in essence, is being set apart so that the fire of God can be put in you and you can become fully human. You can become exactly who God created you to be. On Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, it was the holiness and the power of God that touched the apostles. And that's my heart every time we come together and worship, that the holiness of God would be deposited into your life. If you picked up a book of Killing Kryptonite, which I'm believing all of you have. That's where we're at in our series on small groups. We're about to make a shift into um, our talks in small groups where Bevere gets into uh, really addressing tough issues like sin and how to really eradicate it out of your life. He talks in the second to last chapter on the subject of holiness and how we're to walk in it. And he shares uh, a couple things that really stood out to me. And what those two things are, and I want to share these scriptures with you. Ephesians 1.4 says this, says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. This right here, what Paul's saying is your inheritance is to be holy and without fault in God's eyes. And when you made a decision to follow Jesus, to surrender the keys and give Christ lordship of your life, you were put in a place of positional holiness. He says there's two types. There's the positional holiness of God that we walk in, that we were chosen when we receive the blood of Jesus and we get baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. We're put in a place holy and without fault in his eyes. Now fast forward, we look at the second type of holiness Bevere talks about, and this is found in Hebrews 12, 14 through 15, and it's behavioral Holiness. How many of you know there's a behavior that comes, there's an attitude, there's a lifestyle that comes 
to serving God. Look what he says. He says this. He says, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. Somebody say work. work. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you falls to receive the grace of God. Aren't you thankful for the church and brotherhood and sisterhood and fellowship where we can look after one another so that we don't fall out of grace? And it says, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grow up to trouble you, corrupting many. What we see through both of these and the point I want to start off with is our behavior must reflect our position. And in order for our behavior to reflect our position, we have to draw some lines in our life. We have to be willing to take the sword of the Spirit. It was so good, such good preaching this morning. I'm going to pat myself a little bit that my uncle Charlie, uh, you'll hear in a minute how we bring this illustration in, but he had to go out to his car and said, hey, by the way, I have a, some sword I found at an antique show from the 1800s if you want to use it as a prop. I'm like, first of all, why do you have a sword in your car? Is this, is, are you anti-gun now? You're, you're going after some medieval swords? I don't know, but thought that was ironic this morning. But my heart is, and I want you to know that I have nothing but love and respect for all of you. And my heart is not to ever preach at you, but let's dive in and let's get into the meat, into the depths so that we can be imitators of Christ. And the garments we're to wear is garments of holiness. And my testimony, if you were to sit down and talk with me, you would hear and you would see, man, when you choose to walk in holiness, the grace of God can keep you. When you choose to make tough decisions and draw lines in your life, not out of, oh, this is what the law says or this is just what I have to do, but when you're so full of of grace and when you're so full of of I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. I want my life to be a temple where the Holy Spirit can come and dwell. You just naturally begin making decisions and drawing lines because you don't want worldliness. You don't want carnality. You don't want the things that can corrupt you. You draw a line and you pull out your sword of the Spirit and you got to kill some things. How many of you know some things have to die in your life when you're serving God? So I want to look at a powerful passage of scripture. If you would like to, to read again in Killing Kryptonite, it's the second to last chapter. I challenge you this week just to take a peek at it uh, before you get into it in your groups in the weeks ahead. But look at 2 Samuel chapter 8. This is David and a powerful victory and a conquest he was on. Look what the scripture says, 2 Samuel chapter 8 verse 1. And after this, it came to pass that David smote the Philistines and subdued them. And David took, I said, I'm not even going to try to pronounce this, but you can go for it. I have the King James Version I'm reading from you, and it's way longer. It's funny how as each version progresses, the names get a little easier. I don't know what that's about, but you see it. (laughs) But it says, and he spoke Moab and measured them with a line. Somebody say with a line. Casting them down to the ground. Even with two lines measured, he put to death, and with one full line to keep alive. And so the Moabites became David's servants, and they brought gifts. And so we see that David, some of the most powerful enemies that the people of God have ever faced, this was a conquest where David defeated them. And we see by the victory of David and and the people of God that these Moabites and these Philistines were literally brought to their knees and were laying on the ground waiting for direction from David for what to do. God had commanded David, as you see here, that you're to put them 
and two lines. One line says, these can live and these can die. Again, how many of you know some things in your life have to die? Here's what David knew and what we see here. He knew that the Holy Spirit had given him, God had given him authority over his enemies. God had brought his enemies to his knees, and now it was up to him whether he was going to take the sword and he was going to put it to the neck of his enemies and kill it. Because David knew, and here's what we need to know as a spiritual principle that we see through this, because every old story the scripture says, the Old Testament gives us spiritual principles for life today. David knew that if he didn't kill it, it could rise up and kill him. There are certain sins of our past. There's certain old ways of thinking and mindsets and, and all these things that when we step into new life and when we step into grace, if we don't take our sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and put it on the neck of the old life, it could kill us if we don't choose to kill it. Kryptonite is all about identifying what steals your strength. And I pray throughout this season, and as we've been in the study, God has been bringing things up by the power of the Holy Spirit and saying, man, I need to draw a line and I need to get this kryptonite as far away from me as possible because I'm tired of it stealing my strength. You know, David had the power of life and death in his hands. When you think of having the power of choosing who lives and who dies, it's, it's pretty scary. I can remember in fourth grade on my birthday getting a phone call um, at a dinner table as we were celebrating, and this phone call was that Brother Gary, if you don't know him, he's our guitar player, but was in a, a, was in a wreck that everyone said and doctors said he should not have lived from. I can remember we were sitting there, and Pastor Joyce had called, and just the fear and the shock that came across her face. And the first question you always ask when you get information like that, are they alive or are they dead? And so matters of life and death are not to be taken lightly. You also see that in uh, Roman times in the Colosseums of the gladiators when uh, the gladiator would defeat his opponent and that opponent would be at the knees of the victorious gladiator. He would hold a sword to the neck of his opponent and he would look up to the emperor and all the, the, the thousands of people in the Colosseum would look to that emperor and that emperor would put his thumb up that either he's to live or that he's to die. I want you to know that you have the power over sin in your life to either put your thumb in the air that that's going to live or that's going to die. I'm telling you, this is where spiritual power is deposited into your life. When you draw a line and you say, this has got to die, these things can live. When you listen to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you begin to see the power of God at work in your life and you begin to pursue holiness as we, as we read in Hebrews. One thing I want you to know and you can take notes on is I've seen in my life when temptation has tried to draw in on me and pull me out and pull me down is sin always takes you farther than, one, than what you want to go and it keeps you longer than you want to stay. The lie and the allure of sin is it's going to get you this quick fix. It's going to make you feel good. It's going to answer some short-term problems. But all it is is it just it inch by inch, ba after baby step after baby step, there's times where I saw myself here and I, I, I go before God and say, God, how did I get right here? And he'll speak to me and say, well, you dabbled in this back here and a little bit of dabbling turned into this and then it turned into some choices and decisions and attitudes and mindset and you started walking in this way. Yeah. I'm telling you, we have the power to say no. We have the power. Here's the thing. In the world that says 
and, and pushes coexisting. We can't coexist with sin. There's no place for sin when we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. God calls us kings and priests. And the garment that we're to wear is not one of the world, but it's one of holiness. Now, the thing with holiness, too, and I can remember hearing messages on this and instantly feeling defeated, feeling there's no way I can walk at this. I have, there's a track record of here. I've messed up. I've tried. I've tried. I've failed. I've tried. I've failed. Anybody ever been in that place where you've tried, you failed, you've tried, you failed, and then you're in this never-ending cycle feeling you can't overcome? I'm telling you, when you draw a line, that's where you begin to get the grace of God, which is spiritual empowerment for your life, to begin to walk out of your pit and begin to kill things that God never intended to be in your life. I'm tired of seeing people the worst thing that you can see is when you see people constantly under the effects of kryptonite, constantly weakening them. But getting out of sin isn't an overnight thing. It takes little steps each and every day. It's a process of killing things and making decisions in your life. And so again, we see, I want you to hear this as I wrote this down, is if you allow certain things to live in your life, they can begin to kill and to choke the life out of your spirit. I was sharing downstairs when I was putting together this message because this message isn't a fluffy, feel-good message. Those messages are, are nice to preach, but these are messages that if you can grab the fullness of, it has the power to transform and change your life and to bring you out and to set you apart so that God can pour his holiness, his fire, his spirit within you. But these things, these sins, these entanglements that can ensnare us, they can sap the life out of us. They can sap your anointing. They can sap your, the presence of God in your life. You know, if you're going to make it to heaven, which we all want to go, we all want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, there's things we have to take the sword of the Spirit to and continually kill in our lives. I, here's the encouragement. You can look back. I can look back as a young man being in, a, in church services like this and, and hearing messages like this and just getting inspired that I don't have to be motivated by passions. I don't have to be motiva motivated by wrong sexual desires. I don't have to be motivated to pursue and get quick fixes from pornography. There can be healing and there can be strength because the grace of God can keep you if you allow it. And we live in a world and, and a generation that struggles with grace and the message of it because they want the grace of God so desperately. But where it gets tricky and where the rubber hits the road is they're not willing to draw a line and kill it. But if we can draw a line and we can kill some things in our life, then that's where the grace of God explodes in your life and moves you forward and sets you free. So David killed and did what God had commanded him to do. And I could tell you as he had a sword to some of these enemies, there was people around him. And, and I don't know if you've ever been in this camp when you start making decisions for God, where people begin to say, you don't have to do that. You don't, that's not all that's required. You don't have to draw certain lines in your life. Grace gone wild, baby. Go after it. But here's the thing. We're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. But when we're saved by grace, there is a demand upon that grace. And it's not out of a legalistic way, but it's out of a way that just draws you in by the loving mercy and kindness of God, seeing what he's done in your life. And you throw your life in full abandonment, trusting the Holy Spirit wherever he leads you and wherever he guides you. And so we see some powerful scripture here in Colossians. 
And man, when you, when you read this, you really see how serious it is. And before we get to that, if when you've come to Christ, you've experienced, all of us have experienced drawing lines of separation. I wrote this down. We separate things like what's righteous from unrighteous. We separate what's acceptable and unacceptable. We begin to separate the good from the bad, right? That's what we do. But again, we, leave, we live in a world today that calls evil good and good evil. The Bible talks of a time that will come when the lines will be so blurred and it will be so hard to see what's good and what's evil. You know, the reason we see a lot of the evil prevailing in our schools and we see all this gun violence is because we're dealing with the consequences of taking God out of society and taking God out of schools. There's no morals to back anything anymore. And so I'm telling you, you have to kill some things. And again, that was a decision to take prayer and God out of school that was a matter of life and a matter of death. And unfortunately, our, our, our politicians and those chose death in that moment. And we're paying for the consequences of that. But as Sister Kim said, there has to be an army to rise up, to break every change. We have to get used to hearing the sound of chains falling because when you start to hear the chains falling in your life, man, it's adrenaline to your veins to go after it. You don't care what people think. You don't care whatever the cost is. You just begin killing things that are destroying your strength and you begin following God with everything that you are. You know, the thing is too, you see in Matthew chapter 12, when an unclean spirit was cast out of a man. And he didn't full, the commentary says there wasn't a full repentive heart. That what happens when an unclean spirit is cast out of you? In, in this situation, you can go and read it. It's Matthew 12, 43 through 45. It says that seven other spirits came back along with it and filled that man and was way more wicked than where he was before. I'm telling you, it's a matter of life and death. We have to draw lines in our life deal with things. We can't coexist with sin because I know if I make decisions to coexist with certain things, it kills my spiritual life. You ever been in a place where you've just felt so far from God and usually when you start feeling far from God, you start blaming your pastor or you start blaming your church, you start taking easy roads out. But at the end of the day, look at your life and where's your kryptonite? What are you coexisting with that God never intended for you to coexist? Look what Colossians 3 Five says, and again, this is the King James Version because it says it in a way that just strikes you. It says, mortify. Somebody say, mortify. mortify. Therefore, your members which are upon the earth. And here's what it says. These are things we cannot coexist with as believers if we're going to have power in our lives. It says we have to get rid of fornication. We have to get rid of uncleanliness. We have to get rid of affections and idolatry and covetedness. What do we see in as uncleanliness? It's things like pornography. We have to attack these things. You read statistics, it's known as the new drug that's infiltrating a generation. Most kids are exposed to pornography between 8 and 10 years old, and it's usually on some social media platform. Parents, these are decisions that you can't play around with. Know what's going on on social media. Know what your kids are into because the statistics are scary and how it can shape a person's mind a child's mind. And so it says we have to mortify certain things in our life. You think of the word mortify. It comes from the word mortician, someone who works in a funeral home and deals with death and deals with all these kind of things. Mortify is putting to death. It's killing those things. So in the spirit, we're to draw a line and put these things to a side because the blood of Jesus puts these things at our feet under grace. But again, it's up to us to pick up the sword of the Spirit and begin to kill it one by one. 
How do you kill things? If your struggle is sexual sin, it's cleaning up things in your life. I can remember when Bree and I first got together and we began to draw some lines in our life. We made decisions that things that reminded us of relationships in our past, whether it be clothes, whether it be certain people, we were falling on Facebook. We had a party and we just started deleting different things and different people off of our social media. I'm telling you, it takes a physical action to begin to draw lines in your life. But when you do, you mortify these things and holiness begins to come and well up in you and give you power in your life. Y'all doing okay out there? You're feeling good? I'm telling you, these are things that can change your life if you grab hold of it. And the Holy Spirit gave David the authority to do it. The Holy Spirit gives all of us the authority to do these things and to walk in power. Write this down and it should be on the screen behind me. It's a principle that we see in dealing with things is it's always better to kill it when you can before it gets out of hand. It's always better to kill it when you can before it gets out of hand. We see even how the Moabites came into existence is... um, the story's crazy. You can go and read it in Genesis, but in Sodom and Gomorrah, we see when, you know, the story when Lot and his family fled out of Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Y'all know that story. Lot's wife turned around. She turned into a pillar of salt. What happened is when the angel appeared to Lot, he began to negotiate. The angel said, you need to go up into the mountains, and Lot's like, ah, I don't really want to do that. He wanted to go to a nearby town, so the angel let him do it, went to a nearby town, and I can tell you what the enemy saw or what Lot's family had saw in that conversation was some compromise that they were dealing with. And so as they fled, something within Lot's wife, she turned around, there was something, a passion, a desire that didn't want to fully kill it. And what happened to her? It destroyed her life. Moving on in the story, they finally hear God and they um, obey him. But this is how it happened this is what I want you to take away, is it's always better to heed the mercy of God than have to deal with the judgment of God. Heeding the mercy of God is always the path we want to take. And so we see that up in the mountain, Lot and his daughters are, are waiting and waiting for direction on where to go and what to do. And what we see happen is crazy. Lot's daughters put together a plan. They begin drinking and get drunk and they get Lot drunk and they end up uh, sneaking in and sleeping with their father. And out of that relationship, Lot becomes pregnant. It's a horrible sin that happens. Or Lot's daughters become pregnant by Lot. You never know some days. You can go and read it. I'm telling you, the Bible isn't full of fairy tales. You got some crazy stuff in there. It's like when uh, we just, real quick on a rabbit trail, we just painted our, our uh, nursery and uh, there's a joke like, you know, a lot of people love painting Noah's Ark, you know, in their kids' nurseries. It's like, do you, do you realize what Noah's Ark is all about? It's fun and it's exciting and there's a big museum, but it's literally the world being destroyed by judgment and you're painting this ark on your cute little nursery. Know the story, know the purpose. And so we see, back to our story here, that the son born out of incest in that encounter was the Moabite people. And how, again, David knew knew in that moment when God had delivered the enemy into his hands that if he didn't kill it then, 
Something within him said, these people could rise up again and take everything that's precious from me. They could attack generations ahead and destroy my family. You don't know the decisions. When you choose to draw a line, how that can set your children free, how that can set your future marriage free, how it can affair-proof your life. I'm just not talking in marriage, but you can affair-proof your life with God. You can affair-proof your marriage. You can affair-proof every area of your life where when fancies come to try to pull your attention, you can be strong because you know how to use your sword of the Spirit and kill things and mortify the members of the flesh. Look what Romans 8.13 says. It says, if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if ye, and here's the key, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, guess what? You're going to live. You choose to mortify these things, then life can come into you and blow upon you. You know, there's a story that Bree and I came across. Crazy story, and you may have heard it. It was in the news several years ago. But it, there was a family that had a contractor python snake. They bought it when it was, you know, just a little thing, and it was cute, and anybody got pet snakes, you're weird, and you actually get snakes that are pets, not me, can't do it, won't do it. But they had this little pet contractor python snake, and the, the family was talking about it, and they were saying how they saw it grew, and it came to a point where they had it about a year and a half, and this bad boy had grown up to 12 feet. And they didn't get, as it began to grow, they didn't really put it in a container that could really house it properly. So they would just say frequently that, yeah, it would get out and we would just trip over it and we'd just pick it back up and throw it back in the bag or whatever it was. Crazy. But one day, the snake got out. And, yeah. One day the snake gets out. And as the snake gets out, there's a mother that's walking down the hall in the middle of the night and she's walking by her baby's nursery, and she doesn't hear anything, which is odd, because she usually gets up about that time of day to check in because the baby's usually crying. But I want you, Kenny, to play this. Here's the 911 call of what happened in the story here. Check this out. Okay, and what's the problem? Tell me exactly what happened. The, 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 our snake, we have a Burmese python, and she's about 12 foot long. She got out of the cage last night and got into the baby's crib and strangled it to death. Here's the snake that's being talked about. It's an eight and a half foot Burmese python. Authorities say this snake wrapped itself around two-year-old Cheyenne Hare and strangled her. Lieutenant Bobby Carruthers of the Sumter County Sheriff's Office says the snake's owner, 32-year-old Charles Darnell, found the snake on top of the two-year-old. He then started stabbing the snake. It was a small little six-inch blade knife and a meat cleaver. Carruthers says the snake was a family pet, an animal that Cheyenne was familiar with. Cheyenne would sit right next to it, petting it and everything. Man, did you, there's something that really caught out, stood out to me right there. And it was the last thing that she said. It was they just petted it. It was just normal. Something like that you pet, I could never imagine. I'm telling you, there's things when we just get so used to in our life, what I saw through this story is we can just pet it. We just learn how to make it a normal part of our life. We just deal with it out of our own self and strength and whatever it looks like. But there's things in our life that we can't pet. There's things in our life that we can't deal with. You know, there's things that get sticky and lines that have to be crossed, but I pray you, you ask what the conviction of the Holy Spirit is. Things that can cause issues in your life like alcohol or how much media you, can, you consume, 
how much where you put yourself and the friends that you hang around with. Don't get me wrong, we love everyone and we, we, we love people, but there's only so much. How, how do you let them influence your life? You have to draw some lines. What are you allowing to influence you? Because in services like this, and I pray this isn't just another service where we hear a good word, but we actually do something about it. We actually allow the Holy Spirit to bring things up on our radar that's killing our strength and sucking the life out of us and sucking the power of God out of us. I'm telling you, if you'll make decisions with the sword that God has given you, look what the result of that was as the father goes in the room and just begins stabbing the snake that was, had his uh, body around the neck of that two-year-old. That's where sin gets you. It keeps you longer than you want to stay and takes you farther than you want to go. Holiness is the key to it. And in the series, especially next week, we're going to see what grace does and how we acquire it in our life and how we walk in this. Because again, when you make these decisions, when you make decisions, I'm going to stop flirting with it. I'm going to stop petting with it. I'm going to draw a line in the sand. I'm going to say no more. It's got to die today. I'm going to put the sword to the neck of my enemy and kill it. That's where power is released into your life. The grace of God can keep you but you have to be willing to make some tough decisions. These are the kind of things that get you to heaven. These are the kind of things that bring power into your life. And Bree, if you would come, I want to have a moment where we ask the Holy Spirit to bring things on our radar. That we ask the grace of God, what are areas in my life, maybe motives, maybe it's, it's such unforgiveness or bitterness that you, don't even, you can't even function around certain people. That's a good sign that you need some healing. Maybe it's even in your finances. You just, you're getting this tax return back and you're, you're going to go and you have all this debt, but you're just going to go on a vacation. I'm telling you, there's certain things you have to do. When you bring the sword of the Spirit and say, you know what, I'm going to attack the debt in my life. I'm going to make some changes. Then you can begin to be set free. I'm telling you, when you begin to address the messes in your life, when you take the sword of the Holy Spirit, when you take and you draw lines, things can begin to change in your life. Am I talking to anyone who's seen that work in your life by drawing lines? I'm telling you, it works. If you bow your heads, I want to pray with you. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you that in moments like this, when things can maybe feel sticky, we all have different opinions on things. God, we want to look to your word. We want to look to what the word of God says we need to mortify in our life. God, we want holiness. We want your grace. We want your power. God, we just don't want to walk through this life just floating around, coexisting. God, you got it. No, you've put the sword of the spirit in our hand and you've given us the authority to kill some things. Ecclesiastes even says there's a time to heal and there's a time to kill. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would bring up some things that we need to change in our life, that we need to kill. Bring on our radar, whether it's something in our relationship, maybe it's something in a marriage or something with our children, maybe there's just poor decisions we're making. We're putting all of our time and our attention in places that you don't desire for us to be. God, I thank you that when we make these decisions, power is released, that acts of spiritual obedience release spiritual power. Physical obedience, God, we want to take the sword that you've given us 
And God, when we do, you begin to make us holy. We don't want to pet and flirt with the things that you've said to kill. Because if we don't kill it, it will kill us. God, we want strength. Your word says, too, that when you come back, the angels aren't going to sing things like, you love us, God, but what they're going to sing is holy, holy, holy. You're coming back for a pure bride. You're coming back for a holy church. And God, we want to be that church. We want to be that bride. Wherever we find ourselves this morning, God, we just want to take a step in the right direction. So right now, Holy Spirit, as we take this moment, as we pray, as we seek, as we open up what's on the inside of us, I ask that you reveal some things and put it on our radar. And this morning, we would make some decisions that we got to draw some lines and we got to kill some things. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Reveal yourself to us this morning. In Jesus' name.